The Tom Sumner Program. Old fashioned radio for a new generation. Oh, it's always a pleasure to be with you, Tom. You know that. Easy question. I'll debate Andy Dillon on your show. Well, uh, that's a very good question. Uh, Hello, darling. This is Elvira, Mistress of the Dark, with Tom Sumner. I'm all right, Tom. How are you? Hey, lucky day, Mrs. Sumner. Ciao, Tom. How are you today? That's a good question. <laughs> Hi, this is actor, comedian Jonah Pody, and you're listening to the Tom Snyder, uh, Tom Smothers. Uh, I mean, I'm sorry, what's his name? Uh, Sumner. The Tom Sumner Program. Good morning, Tom. How are you doing? Hey, at least I got the Tom part right. The Tom Sumner Program. Old-fashioned radio for a new generation. Our fellow Americans. Right now, the COVID-19 vaccines are available to millions of Americans. And soon, they will be available to everyone. The science is clear. These vaccines will protect you and those you love from this dangerous and deadly disease. They could save your life. So we urge you to get vaccinated when it's available to you. That's the first step to ending the pandemic and moving our country forward. It's up to you. The Tom Sumner Program plays host to the best political roundtable on radio every Wednesday from 10 a.m. to noon. Armchair Politics features great commentary and analysis about the headlines from local, state, and national politics with an alumni of world-class pundits, plus quotes, tweets, and those weird and wacky stories we call The X-Files. If it's Wednesday, catch Armchair Politics on the Tom Sumner Program. This is Mayor Sheldon Neely, and you're listening to the Tom Sumner Show. Hey, welcome to uh, part two of this week's edition of Armchair Politics, our weekly roundtable on the Tom Sumner program. Joining me for today's edition of Armchair Politics, our panel of political pundits includes on the left, Flint's premier political pundit, Paul Rosicki. Paul, welcome back. Always good to be here. And on the right, longtime Genesee County Republican, Henry Hatter. Henry, welcome back. Thank you, Tom. And joining us uh, this week for the roundtable, Politico Emeritus Woodrow Stanley. What always good to have you along. Good to be here. Um, I mentioned we were going to move on to uh, Washington and see what kind of trouble we can find there. <laughs> um, and and uh, and and this one's actually kind of kind of interesting. Um, U.S. border officials are detaining, on average, more than 600 unaccompanied migrant children who cross the U.S.-Mexico border each day. Uh, Department of Homeland Security official familiar with the data told this to uh, CNN. The daily average as of uh, Tuesday is up from around 500, is up from around 500 earlier this month and far surpasses the height of the 2019 surge of of migrant families when border patrol apprehended around 370 unaccompanied children a day on average according to agency data the current apprehension numbers underscore the pressing challenge facing President Joe Biden's administration as officials scramble to find suitable shelter space for unaccompanied minors, resorting to convention centers and emergency intake sites to transfer them from U.S. Border Patrol facilities, which are intended to process adults, not care for children. Does this sudden surge of minor children immigrants 
take the new Biden administration by surprise? It must have, because I don't see how uh, he could not have anticipated that. But uh, the Trump administration advised that, and we saw continuously we had the coming to the border of illegal immigrants from Guatemala and further south. And uh, <clears throat> when Trump was there, and they, they interviewed a young man there, they said, would you have brought your daughter here if Trump was still the president? Oh, no, I would not have. Now, that was a, a very damaging testimony to the Biden administration that was probably picked up on by his critics. And uh, he has to ride this wave until he figures out how to get out of it. But it's very serious what's going on at the border. Yeah, I think it's serious politically, too, because it does it does give Trump fuel for his fire. I mean, I'm sure, I, mean I suspect we'll be hearing more about the border wall and all that kind of thing soon. And there, there does need to be a, a, a rational response to immigration in general. We've tried for years to try and put together some kind of a sensible immigration policy. We've never been able to get it through through Congress. Uh, even though people like, I think, Jeb Bush and... Uh, uh, maybe even Ted Cruz at some point put together a, a program of some kind that was acceptable, somewhat acceptable to both parties, but it never went anywhere. Yeah, this is it's, this is a tough a tough call, I think, uh, for the Biden administration because there is an immediate reference point in the public's uh, mind, and that is the uh, big big brouhaha about uh, kids in cages uh, at the border and and how the Trump administration uh, handled that situation. So, yeah, it, it, it's, uh, it's, a, it's, a, it's a tough one. It is, it is an absolute tough one. Well, it almost uh, gives the impression me. that, uh, you know, as soon as there was an, a change in the administration that somehow... Uh, uh, the new administration was going to be soft on border security and and it gives uh former president donald trump and his supporters kind of an i told you so moment because it it gives the impression that all of a sudden biden is sworn in and people just start rushing across the border right right, right. and you know it's not going to be the narrative that we that we use to solve this problem it's the president has to step up with the action steps. He's got to do something. He's got to show that he's trying to deter this problem and most of all, prevent people from coming into this country illegally and without permission. That's his challenge. But to do anything else, people won't hear it. He's got to do, you know, he's got to take care of that through action strategies. You know, it's, it's it's interesting when you look at uh, when you look at the numbers, and it's easy to get caught up in looking at the numbers. But I was talking with a uh, prominent immigration uh, attorney yesterday on the show, Elizabeth Goss, and she said, at any given time, there are somewhere between 11 million and 15 million undocumented people living in the United States. And when you look at those kind of numbers, you know, all of a sudden, you know, 600 or even several thousand unaccompanied kids 
coming across the border doesn't seem quite as much. Yeah, in fact, I think one point I made before is that somewhere I'd heard that uh, maybe almost half of the illegals are students who are on, on or around college campuses. And I, I used to joke during the Trump years that maybe we ought to build a wall around Ann Arbor or East Lansing if, if you want to build walls about illegals. Yeah, it was an issue in, on the Mexican border, but well, in, in those the, cases, the illegal issue is beyond that. In those cases, and it's a large number of illegals are here on expired Right. Uh, visas. Right, mm -hmm. right. You, you know, I, I think one of the things that we need to think about, and I don't have the solution, we need to think about what's going on in the, in the minds of young white Americans who now see themselves as diminished, uh, have a diminishing presence. And this is not something I want to debate about. I want, I want us to just engage some kind of a conversation because our stability will depend on these young people, what they feel, how they feel, what they, how they see their future uh, against the burgeoning uh, case of people who don't look like them. Well, there, there, no. there are some uh, people looking into some of those things, and, and according to some that I've talked to, these younger people coming up seem to be handling these issues a little better than some of us older folk. Yes, they are. Yes, <laughs> yeah, but then, True. I think but, so. but then they're the others. They're the others, like the shooters, for example. And we don't understand their mentality. And they just, the incident rate is increasing. Well, here's... Um, so, and, go ahead, Wood. I was just going to quickly put this in a uh, in just a pure political context. So we know that uh, Biden is going to uh, come forward with some kind of uh, immigration proposal at some point. And and um, there's one working the, its way through the system now. That's that's uh, a massive reformation of the uh, right. whole system. Right, right. So, but but he, he, here's here's my, my my point there. So in the past, you've had the gang of six or the gang of eight or the gang of whatever uh, as a bipartisan group of folks who tried to do something. Rubio, I think, was a member of one of the gangs. That, uh, right. So my, 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 my question or, or first point is this. In order to get anything done on this issue, it, it has to have uh, bipartisan uh, ownership. And yes. the, 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 the goalposts have been moved in terms of public opinion. Right now, I mean, you know, this this issue is is almost toxic because of the Trump legacy. I mean, you know, so anything now that you bring out there, it's a zero-sum kind of, uh, well, if you do something for them, we lose. Uh, and, and as opposed to, I mean, you remember the, the a lot of the, the the major companies came out and said, hey, look, <laughs> we don't care what you guys are talking about, but we have to have folks who will do these various jobs, and these jobs, you know, make us profitable. If we don't have them, uh, we're going down the tube. So my, my point is that this is not going to get done unless, uh, on the Democratic side, I, I, I know they're willing to dance, but they've got to have a partner. You know, it's amazing. This young man who shot 10 people in Denver, or out west, if I got it right. He said he hated oh, Trump. He, this, he said he hated Trump. Didn't want anything to do with Trump. You know, uh, 
uh, you got to reconcile some of the rationales that we're looking at and not generalize on them. Everybody doesn't like Trump. This is the second All time. All the people in the Trump Republican this, Party don't like Trump. Uh, this is so, the second time in the show today, Henry, that you have literally telegraphed the next story that I was going to bring up. <laughs> I can't believe that. Um, representatives Young Kim and Michelle Steele never imagined that the first time they would testify before Congress as new lawmakers, it would be to call out hate against their community. But the California Republicans eagerly joined other Asian American lawmakers as witnesses in a House Judiciary Committee hearing last week intended to put the spotlight on discrimination, which took on more urgency in the wake of the mass shootings of Asian Americans in Atlanta earlier in the week. And and my question is, and we can carry this over to the next break because we, we have a break coming up in a couple of minutes. Who are the haters going to hate after the pandemic's gone? Each other. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, you know, there's always a group out there they can find. That's true. Well, but, you know, we... It was, you know, after, after September 11th, it was, you know, Arab Americans, uh, Middle Easterners. Right. And and now in the wake of the pandemic, which has you know been indelicately called uh, the China flu, um, now it's it's Asian Americans. Once the 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 flu is gone, what's what's the next big thing? And and who are the haters going after when the pandemic's gone? We have to be careful how we how we deal with Asians. They are the second most productive people in the country. This is by contribution to academic and discoveries and so on and so forth. They perform well. They perform probably better than white Americans do at this time. If you look at the statistics of where the most intelligent uh, people are in the world today. So we don't have to yield to them, bow to them, but we have to respect their contributions and we need to protect their safety and interest and all of that. We need to recognize that they are important to this country. Well, we've seen it before, of course, in World War II with the uh, the Japanese internment camps, and, and we saw it in places like Detroit when the uh, Japanese auto companies were on the rise in the 80s when there were incidents of people being attacked yeah. because they were they appeared to be Japanese or smashing of the, the, the Hondas or the Toyotas and here and there and around Michigan. So it's, it's been there for a long time in various ways, for various reasons. Of the 15 industrialized nations, Singapore is the most, uh, is rated yeah. the most academic country in the world. And that's just off of the Sea of Japan, uh, close to uh, China. And, you know, and guys, we need to recognize that these people are going to be the next world leaders and they're going to do well and their numbers will supersede ours and boom. Okay, well, we're going to squeeze uh, we're going to squeeze a little break in here, but when we come back, we're going to talk uh, some more about uh, relations uh, between Asia and America. Um, if you're listening to us on 92.1 FM, we're going to let them squeeze in a few words. If you're streaming us, we have some messages as well. Hello, darling. This is Elvira, Mistress of the Dark, with Tom Sumner. 
I'm Julie Lopez with Crime Stoppers. Have you ever wondered what to do if you have information about a crime or the whereabouts of a felony fugitive and you want the police to know but you need to remain anonymous? Well, here's what you can do. You can go to p3tips.com or download the mobile app. You can go to Crime Stoppers of Flint and Genesee County's Facebook page and click on the Leave an Anonymous Tip tab, or you can call 1-800-422-JAIL. All methods are anonymous, and if your help leads to a felony arrest, you may be eligible for a cash reward. Remember, your voice matters. The Centers for Disease Control and Prevention is working to help keep you and your community safe from the threat of novel or new coronavirus. If you have traveled to a country with a widespread outbreak of COVID-19, CDC recommends you stay home and check your health for 14 days after returning to the United States. Take your temperature with a thermometer two times a day. Watch for symptoms like fever, cough, and trouble breathing. And if you feel sick or have symptoms, call ahead before you go to a doctor's office or emergency room. Tell the doctor about your recent travel and your symptoms, and avoid contact with others. For more information, visit cdc.gov. Hi, this is Tom from the Tom Sumner Program. If you like talk radio that makes you think without telling you what to think, check out our whole show weekdays from 9 a.m. to noon Eastern at TomSumnerProgram.com. Selected segments are also available on this and other radio stations, but you can hear us anytime. Daily editions of the Tom Sumner Program repeat online all day and night on the show's website. Past shows can be found in the website archives. My long-format interviews with New York Times best-selling author photographers and writers from National Geographic, as well as artists, musicians, candidates, and elected officials are made possible by listeners like you. Support the Tom Sumner Program and Civilized Talk Radio. Visit our website at TomSumnerProgram.com and become a member. You can make a one-time gift or become a sustaining patron by taking the link to the Tom Sumner Program Patreon page. Thanks for listening and thanks for your support. Have you lost your job and your health care coverage due to COVID-19? You're not alone, and Genesee Health Plan can help. I called, and they provided health care enrollment over the phone with Medicaid, HealthCare.gov, and Genesee Health Plan. They made sure I had access to doctor visits, my prescriptions, and more. Getting health care coverage can be confusing. You don't have to do it alone. Get help with GHP. Call 844-232-7740 or go to GeneseeHealthPlan.org. We're in this together, and together we'll get through it. Imagine a journey down a picturesque river. Imagine your Flint River, 142 miles of recreation, natural beauty, and precious resources. The Flint River is a vital resource that is available for all to use and enjoy. The river and its ecosystem provide unlimited recreational opportunities and natural beauty while supporting wildlife in a vibrant landscape. We all have a responsibility to protect and preserve this precious resource. Learn more at FlintRiver.org or call the Flint River Watershed Coalition at 810-767-6490. Technical assistance for the Tom Sumner Program is provided by Swiftlet Technology, engineering and IT services at swiftlet.technology. The Tom Sumner Program.com
Hello, this is State Senator Jim Ananick, and you're listening to Tom Sumner Program. Hey, welcome back, everybody. Armchair Politics continues now on the Tom Sumner Program with our roundtable regulars, Paul uh, Rosicki and Henry Hatter, joined by Woodrow Stanley. And uh, uh, just before the break, we were talking a little bit about um, the attacks on Asian Americans uh, and and some reaction to that but uh, moving on Chinese officials dismissed Secretary of State Antony Blinken and National Security Advisor Jake Sullivan as condescending an unnamed US official said the Chinese were quote grandstanding and with that any chance the uh, US and China might shift course after four turbulent years of the Trump administration quickly faded the tense and unusual diplomatic clash Thursday between senior US and Chinese officials signals a tough road ahead as the world's two largest economies maneuver a relationship that is not going to improve easily or quickly analysts said and instead may only get harder to navigate the US announced sanctions Monday against two Chinese officials for serious human rights abuses against Muslims, a step coordinated with allies including the European Union, Canada, and the United Kingdom, which imposed sanctions on the same individuals and others, the Treasury Department said. The the announcement was part of a broader show of unity by the U.S. and its international allies, all voicing condemnation Uh, for Beijing's repression of, and I'm not sure if I'm saying this right, Uyghur, Muslims, and other ethnic minorities in uh, Xinjiang province. Um, Does taking a hard line on human rights issues make it harder to negotiate the trade war with China? Yes. Mm. Probably. Probably, but I think there's... I think though the the friction is going to be there under any conditions. I think. Yes, that's the point. Clearly, China is clearly a rising power in in many ways, both militarily and economically. Um, so it, it's the, the friction will be there whether we go after the human rights or not. I think. And and uh, supporting that uh, is the idea the rest of the world are saying openly and without shame that the United States is in decline. So when you look around and you see all that's going on around us, we would agree with that because we can't put two nickels together to make a dime. We can't work together. We argue over everything. We have gender issues. We have race issues. We have finance issues between groups. We, we are, as a pluralistic country, it's a pluralism that appears to be dividing us. And breaking us apart. This is what other people are thinking. Like the Japanese, Nakashida said uh, some years ago, that they do all right without multiculturalism. And so we argue over all of the petty things. And we live in the richest country there is. There's just no more that we can ask for to find happiness. As Socrates would say, that's the purpose why we live here in the world. We seek happiness as we've pain and yet we 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 should be satisfied but it doesn't bring happiness the end i'm not i'm not sure um 
that's uh, Henry. You you took you know, and now I have to talk about mere politics. I mean, you know, you just giving me a philosophy lesson. I, uh, <laughs> Good. <laughs> that's what we need to do. We need to but, talk about this. But I, you know, I, less connect, uh, and I, you know. I'm, I'm only partially kidding, Henry. I, I think you you raised some some uh, some good points about you know multicultural society and so forth. But we just we just had now the uh, Asian world uh, yes. are are a uh, important partner in whatever whatever platform we want to talk about. It's they're an important partner and they're growing partner and they're not going away. And we just had four years <laughs> of uh, of uh, a leader. I mean, you know, who on the one hand he said he was trying to engage uh, with this important partner, but on the other hand, one of the things that and and and, and I don't want to go back in terms of uh, points that you raised, Tom, but I connect this this Asian uh, issue that we are having right now with some of the seeds that were planted before. Uh, the the pandemic is a worldwide issue, and and it crosses uh, culture, economics, all of it. And there was one guy who was who was just planting all kinds of bad seeds there. But this, these are, the Asian world are folks that America has to deal with. I mean, it's not an option. Oh yeah, maybe maybe one. I mean, you know, you, you've got to, there's no such thing as ignoring it. But we, we, we're we not trying to hit the restart button. Uh, after all this bad stuff that's been planted, uh, China flu, uh, Kung flu, all of this. And that's, you know, uh, folks take these hints. It's just like what happened on January 6th. Now we're having folks say, oh, no, that wasn't what happened. Or, or we had a we had a guy, a, a member of the Senate uh, from uh, Wisconsin, who said, uh, "Look, if these had been Black Lives Matter people storming the Capitol, I'd have felt uh, really right. afraid. But I didn't feel afraid." <laughs> so, can't get yeah. the uh, face back in the tube, you know. Yeah, I appreciate it. if I could uh, just for a minute. Sure. I, Thank you for that um, interesting uh, reputation. But um, <clears throat> I think my point was that the rest of the world thinks we are in decline. Now, you know what, what the solution is, don't you? We have to learn how to work together. We have the most resources, the most intellectual properties around. We, we have everything. This is the Garden of Eden. This is the garden that God created and yet we can't live in it. You know, it's interesting you say that, Henry, because, uh, you know, this, this morning before, the, the, before this segment, before Armchair Politics, I was talking with Chuck Collins from the Institute for uh, Policy Studies, and um, he's also a member of the Patriotic Millionaires. He's a, an heir to the uh, Oscar Mayer fortune, and he writes extensively on income inequality and you know he says a lot of that decline image would uh, would go away if the wealthiest among us would chip in a little bit 
And as he pointed out, the tax rates used to be so much higher half a century ago. Well, double, I mean, I double what they are now. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I mean, I, I heard most of the program. And you know, we've really changed the tax rates on upper income dramatically in the last half century, last couple of decades especially. And, and that's part of the problem. I agree with that. I'm not debating that. But we have to figure out what the solution is, and then takes all of us. We can't say, oh, no, you're attacking me because you want uh, to take uh, money away from the rich. That's not what we want. That's not the intent. The intent is to stabilize our world, this planet, because it's teetering on disaster. And uh, we're not thinking about that, and it takes all of us to think about that, and not just to criticize the other guy, but to, but to really think about what we see and what we think in ourselves, and not so much about I, me. Uh, we need to think about the impact that we have on other people, because that's what decides what an action strategy ought to look like. Well, you know, that I, me, mine thing kind of started, uh, or, or at least got uh, built up a lot of momentum in the 1980s. And, uh, you know, I to, to borrow a phrase from Wood, I, I think it's going to be a little bit like putting the toothpaste back in the tube. Well, this is what we got to talk. We don't have any options. Well, yeah. remember it was Reagan who said government is the enemy. Government's the problem. Yeah. And, and, yeah. And, it, and even during that time, that's when you saw the attack begin on unions especially. That's really gone on in various ways for the last uh, 30, 40 years. Yeah, what was yeah. it he said? The nine most dangerous words where I'm from the government and I'm here to help? <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 But that, yeah. there's our challenge. Uh, and you have people all day long talking about the other guy and what they are going to do if they get a chance. And there's nobody trying to stabilize. You know, at one time, religion was that force that moderated uh, behaviors between humans. But it doesn't do that anymore. And so we're lacking uh, restraint in our actions and our beliefs and stuff well, like that. Well, yeah, that's, that's, that's one of the things that I've uh, always kind of tried to to fight through is this idea that because somebody doesn't agree with me they're a moron <laughs> you know it moron is the most common word on the, the internet right now <laughs> well yeah exactly and that's what i'm getting at this you know we need to and and that's why i brought up the thing earlier you know who are the haters going to hate when the pandemic's over um because you know, haters are going to hate. Um, but what do we what do we do about that? How do we promote civility? Whether we're dealing with China over trade issues, or dealing with our own problems of exclusion and discrimination here in our own country, if we can't talk openly without you know, uh, slamming the other person without making it personal. Make it about the issues. Sure. To, to, what, to what degree do you think social media plays a role? I mean, I see people saying things on on Facebook. Oh, I think it's the loaded gun, Paul. They would never Paul. say in person. What was that? So I, I think it's the loaded gun, Paul. 
Uh, yeah, exactly. I mean, people say things there they would never say to anybody else in person. But the the more incendiary they can be, the more attention they get. Right. And, and, you know, that's the heart of the problem. It's interactive and graffiti. It begs another question. That problem begs another question. <laughs> it's interactive graffiti. Yeah. What about free speech? Well, is Are it... Are there too many people talking that keep us disassociated like atoms in a vacuum? And the intent when society was put together, it was to pull it together for common cause. Defense and food and stuff like that. But now we have achieved all of that, at least here in this country. And we only think of the individual, what that individual thinks. Maybe it's time for us to seek other kind of strategies that bring us back together. And, and I think that's Whatever probably the answer is we need to get more together to begin with. Now, it's, it's, it's hard to advocate that, you know, while we're still wrestling with, uh, you know, when to let our guard down from the pandemic. But I, I wonder if the people and some of the horrible things that, that get said on social media, I wonder if those things would be said face-to-face. I don't think they would be. I don't think so. No. Yeah, I would add one more thing to the mix, though. And, and Tom, you've mentioned this, what would you call rant radio? I mean, some of the, the radio talk shows that the, the more you yell and scream, the more attention you get. Yeah, see, yeah, those guys really are morons, Paul. Would you were trying to jump in. Go ahead. <laughs> no, no, I, I, I just, I, I think that things like, I, I, I agree with Paul's point about uh, social media and, and so forth. But I'm not so sure that's the cause. I'm, I'm not really, I think a lot of, and, and I know just enough about this to be real dangerous. Um, but, but, but I think a lot of this is what's already in there. Not, not before we had social media. Some of these things that are going on, they were in there. Oh, I, I, yeah, I, I agree, Wood. And, you know, and, and what, what happens, social media p- provides a convenient outlet. Um, and, and I do agree. Some of this stuff that said people would not, I, you know, I've been in public life for a long, long time. People would not say that stuff, even when, I mean, they just had some very strong disagreements, but they just weren't going to. And and now you just hear it all the time. I mean, not just. Uh, I used to have you talking about uh, knuckleheads and morons. I, you know, there's a guy uh, who, um, you know, I have to take partial credit for his uh, um, claim to fame. You know, a, a local late uh, radio uh, host around here. But all of that. <laughs> All of, all of that stuff, I mean, now it's almost like uh, it's passe because everybody is doing it. It just, it, 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 it I, I don't know. I, I don't know the answer. I know the guy you're talking about. and uh, He was right. one of my favorites. And he, he once uh, yeah. told me, I had him on the show a couple of times, and he talked about how he got into 
doing the the kind of broadcasting that he did and it was literally nobody was doing it and it was it was kind of an interesting conversation because you know he was looking for something new and different and um and and you're right now everybody's doing it yeah yeah but he he can't just take and blame one person for the directions of society even when Christ was on the earth and made all of the influences that he did on people, he was almost like nothing. People didn't listen to him. And so he lost his life, and uh, we're still in the same situation we were back in those days. But you can't take this radio host, and he was a person with an opinion. And people like to, he not only uh, brought up some serious points, but also he, he was humorous in how he did it, and he was not necessarily a racist. He was uh, any more than anybody else that I know that's uh, but that's, out there in the mind that are racist. But that's the part but I, I miss. They are. That's the part I miss about intelligent debate, is that that ability to discuss things from different points of view with good humor. Yes, and he was good right. at that. And, and just being good-humored about it. Um, that might be a little tough for uh, Governor Cuomo. A New York State yeah. Assembly <laughs> Committee that is conducting an impeachment investigation into Democratic Governor Andrew Cuomo publicly met with attorneys for the first time uh, yesterday and promised a wide-ranging review of his conduct with a scope that will go beyond sexual harassment allegations and his handling of nursing home deaths due to COVID-19. Judiciary Committee Chair Charles Levine, a Democrat, told uh, committee members and lawyers that the investigation will likely take months rather than weeks and has no set deadline. Greg uh, Andre, an attorney for the committee, said State Attorney General Letitia James's investigation into sexual harassment allegations against Cuomo might produce findings faster than the impeachment probe. Is this going to be right. is this going to be a race to see who brings Governor Cuomo down first? Well, I think Letitia James was probably the meanest person out there. And she will achieve her goals. Because uh, she probably knows more about the situation than uh, any investigators or people with, uh, who have mindsets on them. But Letitia James is the one that he fears most. And he should. Well, the storm is clearly building. I mean, it's a matter of... I don't think he's going to ever resign, but I think the storm is building for impeachment or or even yeah. criminal charges, potentially. I, you know, I should, have, I should have checked, because I'm not sure when he's up for election again. I think it's two, uh, I think, two years. I think it's two years. Yeah, 20, 22, isn't it? Yeah, I think so. 22, I think, yeah. Well, that's that's coming up pretty fast. Yeah, but yeah. let me let me ask let me ask another. This is just a uh, in terms of a question about mores and behavior and so forth in this um, Me Too uh, environment. And so uh, there's no doubt, just based on what I've read, that that uh, Governor Cuomo um, has indulged in himself in some some behavior that um, uh, you know is related to kind of Neanderthal. 
um, uh, acts. But but um, isn't 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 the fact that we're in a just a fast changing uh, uh, environment of what's acceptable behavior and interaction between men and women, and there are things that that Cuomo did that in a different time he would not have been um, given a, a, a multiple demerits for it. Uh, and so, you, you know, I'm not sure how much of what he did was caught in that, that, that moment of things are changing real fast in terms of what is acceptable behavior and, and the like and what was actually just bad behavior. Uh, what's the guy's name? Weinstein, uh, the, the mean, yeah. me too guy that, mm-hmm. that started mm-hmm. all of this. But, but so I, you know, I'm trying to figure this out because you have you have a corollary in the sports world with this quarterback in um, Houston, I think, and there, there are almost 20 uh, sexual assault and bad behavior lawsuits that have been filed against him. And, I, and I'm, so I'm trying to sort all of this. This out as a, as a, a, a guy who has seven sisters, a wife, uh, two daughters, uh, uh, three uh, granddaughters. <laughs> you know, so it, this is this is a a just a, a very turbulent social kind of uh, environment that we're that we're in as the backdrop to this Cuomo piece. Yeah, I'm I'm constantly aware of of those shifting sensibilities. Uh, would as you know, I was a musician and uh, was on the road for a number of years, and um, I, I guess I should probably just leave it there and say no comment. <laughs> <laughs> you know, a, a similar point though is in fact one of your guests, Mark Eberson, pointed out a few weeks ago is that Cuomo does not have a lot of friends in general, that apparently he's been a pretty hard guy to work for yeah. for all kinds of people, so he's he's not going to have a lot of defenders when things start coming down. No, it's, it's, Cuomo. He's, he's, he's known, uh, I mean, his, he, he leads with a lot of pressure. I mean, he, he is not a guy that tries to, uh, I'm trying to remember his, his nickname, but, but um, I mean, you know, that's his style. <laughs> just, yeah, he reminds me of gangsters, the gangster mentality. Yeah, yeah, uh, that's yeah. Well, and besides, he made a reference to being born in Italy or his parents or something like that, being born in somewhere in Italy. Of course, he got. We used to see some yeah. of that with Donald Trump too, and it's it, it yeah. it's kind of a New York yeah. thing. Yes, <laughs> maybe. Yeah, you know that that comparison to uh, you know gangsters that that came up often during uh, Trump's term in the White House. Yeah. Anyway, well, he and Williamson sort of earned theirs. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Fair enough. Uh, we got to take a short break. We're going to come back and uh, talk about some actual X Files when we return. Um, 
If you're listening to us on 92.1 FM, our voices radio in Flint, WFOV, they are a broadcast service of the Flint Odyssey House Spectacle Productions and my friend Paul Herring. We're going to let them squeeze a few words in uh, edgewise or do whatever they do when we go to break. If you're streaming us at TomSumnerProgram.com, we have some messages as well. (laughs) This is the Unknown Comic, and guess what? You're listening to the Tom Sumner Show right now. And now, and now too, and even now. Our lives have been turned upside down by COVID-19. When a vaccine becomes available, it's critical that all of us get it. What we do as individuals will impact everyone's health, including those who can't get the vaccine. We won't get through this unless everyone takes part. Now is the time to get up to date on all recommended vaccines for both kids and adults. Experts say it's more important than ever for everyone to get their flu vaccine this year. And if you're older, you should get both the flu and pneumonia vaccines, since both illnesses can make COVID-19 even worse. Vaccines are available at a lot of convenient places, so be an example for friends and loved ones and encourage them to get vaccinated too. We all want to reunite, travel, and get back to school and work. But that means we all need to get on board. This is the time to do what's right for each other, Get vaccinated. It's our best shot. Hey, this is Tom from the Tom Sumner Program. Catch me and a gaggle of great guests weekdays on Our Voices Radio, WFOVLP 92.1 FM. You never know who might drop by. Joe Biden from the Blue Hawaiian. Dan Serling. Congressman Dan Kildee. Alexander Zondrick. Actor, comedian Joe Napote. Woodrow Stanley. U.S. Senator Debbie Stabenow. State Senator Jim Ananick. Comedian Brian McCree. The unknown comic. Mark Farner. And Tom, I want you to know Tom's my friend. You are, you've always got great questions and you know the material and you, and you care about it and it's, uh, it's, that's impressive. Nice to be with you, Tom. And I admire you for reading all of that. I haven't read the whole thing. I've got willing to admit that. Today. Hey, Tom, this is my favorite interview all It's like having coffee at the kitchen table with you. Tune in Monday through Friday from 9 to 12 right here on 92.1 of a Kind. And check out our website at TomSumnerProgram.com. East Village Magazine is the monthly neighborhood magazine read all over Flint. With support from grants, donations, and advertisers, East Village Magazine's talented local writers give you an in-depth look at local news, issues, and people that make Flint, Flint. Copies of East Village Magazine are available at many of your favorite shops and restaurants around Flint or online at eastvillagemagazine.org. East Village Magazine, community-focused and community-supported. Discoveries. They happen when we least expect them in places we thought we knew. And discoveries have a way of teaching us a little more about ourselves along the way. Welcome to Flint and Genesee County, where up north meets down south. Home to Michigan's largest county park system and a vibrant culture. A place filled with discoveries we've yet to make throughout acres of beautiful lakes, wetlands, and woods, and in the diverse city beyond. Where the uplifting melodies of gospel choirs fill the air, Where the work of renowned artists color the galleries and museums. Where the fresh fruits and vegetables at the downtown farmer's market awaken our senses. And where the cultural center and planetarium broaden our view of the world. Let's spend a few days enjoying the wonders of Flint and Genesee County. Where the joy of discovery is pure Michigan. 
Your trip begins at michigan.org. MTA Flint is nationally recognized for continually seeking to provide sustainable, reliable, and cost-efficient transportation for individuals throughout the region. Through work-related and non-emergency medical transportation and your ride services, MTA is moving people with future and alternative fuel technologies. More information about MTA Flint and specialized services is available at mtaflint.org. get the uneasy feeling Rod Serling is behind one of those doors. Rod Serling. Rod Serling. What's this, the Twilight Zone? Where is everybody? I would have been headed for the Twilight Zone. Twilight Zone. If I go any lower, I'll be in the Twilight Zone. All right. All the Jethro's right at home in the Twilight Zone. I'm in the Twilight Zone. Now, having made this little jaunt into the Twilight Zone, I got a feeling something strange is about to happen in the Twilight Zone. Hi, this is Ann Serling, and you're listening to the Tom Sumner Program. Welcome back, everybody, as we roll into one of my favorite segments uh, of the show is the uh, X-Files, where we take on those weird and wacky stories that are uh, too strange to be true, and yet they are. (laughs) A top aide to a district attorney in suburban Philadelphia has been demoted because he was caught moonlighting for DoorDash during work hours. Bucks County District Attorney Matt Weintraub announced uh, the punishment Thursday against Prosecutor Greg Shore, who was demoted from the office's first assistant district attorney to being a deputy district attorney. Weintraub uh, said Shore had been working for DoorDash delivering food during work uh, hours from October to February. The Books County Courier Times said Shore's salary as first assistant was $125,000. I primarily worked the job at nights and weekends. However, I made the incredibly poor decision to deliver during the workday at times, Shore told the paper Thursday. Shore told the Courier Times he was motivated by personal circumstances during the COVID-19 pandemic to work the delivery job. What circumstances would cause a district attorney's top aide to deliver pizza on the side? <laughs> I read that story uh, online. I don't know. <laughs> well, let's see. Um, this Does is he a, deliver this a subpoena along with the pizza? Yeah. I mean, yeah. That's <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Here's, here's your order and your summons. Yeah, uh, right. <laughs> well, natural underground caverns on the moon could be used to store frozen samples of Earth's species in order to protect biodiversity in the event of global catastrophe, according to a University of Arizona scientist and his students. Uh, GCAN... I think it's G. Khan Thanga, or Thanga, a professor uh, of aerospace and mechanical engineering, and five of his students presented a paper earlier this month on the concept during the International IEEE Aerospace Conference 
uh, which was held virtually this year, uh, according to the uh, Arizona Daily Star. Thanga said uh, the underground biological repository would serve as a backup copy of frozen seeds, spores, sperm, and egg samples from most Earth species. The specimens would be kept safe inside the caves carved by molten lava hundreds of feet below the surface of the moon. The caves, some large enough to hold a 30-story building, can be reached by rocket from Earth in four to five days and provide an environment essentially undisturbed for the past three to four billion years, scientists said. Is this taking climate change really seriously? <laughs> yeah, I guess it is. <laughs> I mean, this is this has taken Noah's Ark to a whole, yeah, a whole new level. Well, it's it's great it's great scientific imagination, and what we think nothing comes to reality until it is thought out first. The idea comes well, before reality, and uh, uh, this is something. Go ahead. No, I, I, I'm ready to follow you now. I was going to say, did, didn't somebody do something like that with plant seeds? And I think it was either Norway or northern Sweden or something. They got a big refrigerated area and started stashing away all kind of vintage seeds of some kind for plants. Well, you know, Michigan State uh, is a state university uh, that was developed in 1875. And one of the things that the university did first, it compiled a lot of seeds and put them away in storage bins of all the known vegetation at that time, particularly domestic vegetation, like corn and greens and, mm -hmm. and peppers and so on. So they are at the University of Michigan State now. And you can, oh, okay. I think they will let, yet let you exhibit that. They wanted to see how many years would these seeds remain active once they are planted in the ground. The last I heard, and I don't remember the statistics, but I think they were still active after after 150 years or more. Oh. And 70, 80 years. That, that was their plan. That was the reason why they did that. Uh, so, now if someone's going to take these seeds to the moon, that would be, uh, that's thoughtful. That's creative thinking. It's worthwhile listening to should something catastrophic happen here on Earth, and we've hybridized everything in this country. You can't even buy uh, corn that's original. We have to buy the hybridized. Who knows? And many vegetations today don't, don't generate seeds. Should something happen to that plant or that process, our food and vegetation processes will die. We're way ahead of nature on this. So I think it's interesting to think about that. Thank you. It gives me something else to think about. <laughs> I, I thought it was kind of interesting, actually. You know, we so often hear about um, space travel and, and traveling to other uh, planets or moons or even asteroids and taking things out of them. <laughs> Never really thought <laughs> of using one as a refrigerator. Yeah. Well, Twitter users are scratching their heads over a Los Angeles man's claim that he found shrimp tails in his cinnamon toast crunch. 
and the serial maker's explanations for the alleged findings. Jensen Karp, our writer and TV producer, contacted the Cinnamon Toast Crunch Twitter account Monday after he claimed to discover the fishy-looking items in his cereal. At first, the cereal's social media team apologized and asked for more information. The Cinnamon Toast Crunch Twitter account then claimed that what Carp thought were shrimp tails were actually an accumulation of cinnamon sugar. Carp was skeptical, very skeptical, so much that he accused the cereal manufacturer of lying, posting another photo of the pieces on Twitter. He then went digging deeper into the cereal bag, part of a two-pack uh, purchased at Costco, and made other discoveries. Carp said his wife, actress Danielle Fischel, also discovered what looked like dental floss in another bag of cereal. Carp eventually came to the theory that the box was somehow infested by a rat that left droppings and other collections. Neither Carp nor General Mills, which makes Cinnamon Toast Crunch, immediately responded to requests for comment. What kind of comment would you make? <laughs> <laughs> We're sorry? Yeah. yeah Oops. Probably, probably I'll, I'll pass on the cereal this morning. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. The whole thing sounds fishy to me, but... <laughs> what are you, you going to do? Anyway, that... Uh, wraps it up for uh, today's edition of Armchair Politics. I want to say thanks uh, to our roundtable regulars, uh, Paul Rosicki, always a pleasure. Always good to be here. And uh, Henry, it's always uh, good to talk to you, Henry Hatter. Uh, thank you, uh, Tom, and, and uh, the rest of the panel. Uh, it was a great show. I enjoyed it. I was inspired by it. And Woodrow, it's always fun uh, when we have Woodrow Stanley join the roundtable, but I have to comment that you and Henry were especially well-behaved today. Well, and, okay. and I appreciate that. I, I You know, I, I feel so much better when I'm part of a group than when I'm isolated and pinpointing. There are some people on the show that I would rather not be on with because they don't bring dignity and respect to the show. They bring, they separate us by race and gender and stuff like that. And I don't appreciate that. I would rather not be a part of that show. I can hold my own on anything, but it's not me. I have the public trust, and I want to maintain that as long as I live. And, that, and many of my, the people that listen to me are young people who yet have to hope about where they're going. Well, I, I can't believe them. how fast the time goes. And Woodrow, it's always great when you can... Join Thank us. you. Enjoyed it. Thank you. Appreciate it. Thanks, Wood. And Henry, good to have you here as usual. Thank you. Okay, well, that's smoking George Winters tickling the ivories, letting me know it's time to head on down the hall to the living room. Actually, I'm going to be heading out today because I'm getting my my first shot of uh, oh, yeah, the, congratulations, the Tom. Yeah. yeah, good for you. We well, hope that you'll be around next week. Well, I'm, I'm hoping I'll be back tomorrow at uh, 9 o'clock <laughs> for another edition of the Tom Sumner Program. And uh, thanks again to uh, all of the participants in uh, Armchair Politics and, of course, to Chuck Collins earlier this morning. Good night, everybody. The Program is a live variety show. We want to acknowledge all of our guests who play such an important role in the show and our cavalcade of cohorts from coast to coast for their regular contributions. 
most of the musical accompaniment was provided by people in or from the Flint area. Many of the pre-recorded portions of the Tom Sumner program are made possible by Flint's own Steve McComb and Pencil Sketch Recording in Nashville, Tennessee. If you have comments, questions or suggestions about the show, find us on Facebook. This is Prue Clearwater. Join us next time for another edition of the Tom Sumner program. And thanks for listening.